Welcome to the Today is the Day podcast, where we dive deep into popular health topics and empower you to make informed, evidence-based decisions. We offer the practical tools and strategies so you can easily integrate what you learn into your everyday habits. Today, we're challenging the belief that it is expensive to eat healthfully, looking at some powerhouse foods and answering the question, how can you maintain a healthy diet on a budget? Today, we'll be covering which foods will give you the biggest bang for your buck, tips for reducing overall food costs, how to make the most of your food purchases, the surprising place that one third of the average food budget goes to, and cost-effective meal prep and planning strategies to help you stretch your grocery budget. and thank you so much once again for joining us. And thank you for all of your amazing, kind, and generous reviews. They mean everything to us. We're not just doing this for our good health, though it does help because we have fun, but we're doing this to share and your reviews help more people find us and get the information they may be needing on their health journey. So please, if you enjoy what you're hearing, take a moment and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you're downloading this episode. I'm Megan Pelbner, a nutritionist, two-time best-selling author, and founder of the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. Joining me, as always, on this health and life adventure is Josh Gatalis. Hi, everyone. We're so excited to be taking on this project, and we're grateful to have you join us. I'm a clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner with a clinic in downtown Toronto, and I'm founder of the Functional Nutrition Certification Program and an instructor with the Academy of Culinary Nutrition. What we're covering today is always a popular topic among my culinary nutrition experts and their clients. People want to eat well, but think it's just too expensive. Josh, let's start off by putting our food spending habits into perspective. Absolutely. So Michael Pollan, an acclaimed writer who's the author of uh, New York Times bestseller, An Omnivore's Dilemma, and many other fantastic writings, had a statistic where in the 1960s, 17.5% of our income was spent on food and 5% on healthcare. Now that has basically flipped and now we spend about 9.9% of our income on food and about 16% on healthcare. If we break that down into dollars, according to Stats Canada, we're looking at roughly $6,000 spent on food from stores in 2017 and about $2,500 spent on restaurant dining. Now, that is a very low percentage of our income. And obviously we're spending on, you know, home and transport and there's fundamentals for safety, but how does that balance out to the rest of what we're spending? And one of the examples I give, I think in my first book, is this idea that, you know, saying that we don't have enough time or we don't have enough money isn't really an effective excuse when you consider that 10 years ago, no one had smartphones. Now everyone has smartphones and the monthly data plans that go along with supporting it. And it's just, I think, a matter of priority in many cases and how we can shift that, that we've started to base our diet on the flimsy three tripod rule of cheap, easy, and convenient. Now, what if we applied those same rules to the people we date? Seriously, like what are the fundamentals? What are we looking at when we think about the food we eat. This is the fuel that nourishes our life. And if we can just start with a whole unprocessed foods diet, at the very foundation, we're already getting more bang for our buck. Because as soon as something's processed, we're losing out on the nutritional value of it. 
more additives and preservatives and all the stuff we want to avoid is being added in. And then we're paying a premium price because it's been processed and packaged and boxed and marketed. And we're paying for all of that versus buying those unprocessed foods. And then we're paying for with our health for all the stuff that those foods are missing so they can sit on the shelf for a long time. Right. And what what we're often looking at then is you can buy more calories potentially for less money, but you're getting significantly less nutrition. So Megan mentioned biggest bang for your buck, and that's where I want to take this. Let's talk about foods that have a really tremendous nutrition profile and sometimes even calories, and that don't really cost that much for us to consume on a regular basis. Now, in our home right now, in our kitchen, which we like to call the nutrition lab. we It's not we. Josh calls it the nutrition <laughs> lab. <laughs> True. Um, we have uh, some sprouts in the making. And sprouts are really, really cheap to buy in the raw form, which is basically just the seeds. We I want to some- use like the Kool-Aid. You know, you say Kool-Aid, just pennies a glass. Like sprouts are literally like pennies a tablespoon. They really are. It takes two tablespoons and you get a big handful of sprouts when all is said and done. So I have some broccoli sprouts going, which are major powerhouses of nutrition, very high detoxification capacity in broccoli sprouts, 30 times what a regular broccoli has. We have some red clover going, and sometimes we even sprout mung beans. Now, mung beans, I mean, you can get a massive bag of those for, you know, quite inexpensive, and they give you a lot of food. Yeah. And when you think about sprouts from a culinary nutrition perspective, you know, one little seed that grows one sprout eventually would turn into an entire head of broccoli, for example. So you're getting this massive concentration of nutrition in a highly digestible, absorbable form. It's really rich in enzymes. And it's this power, it's a seed, like the seed is the the start of all life. So you're getting it in this powerful form. And we actually have, if you're interested, a sprout guide for you. We link to it in our resources over on culinarynutrition.com slash podcast. If you choose the eating healthy on a budget episode, you'll get a link to that with the downloadable guide. So you can get started sprouting. And it's an amazing project to do with your kids. It's a great way to get locally grown food in the winter when you live in a cold climate. And I love using sprouts in sandwiches, on salads, as Josh said, by the handful. Uh, You can add them to any kind of pasta dish. Basically, anywhere that you need extra toppings, I always say a salad is best with seven to 10 toppings. So sprouts are one of those toppings you can add. And just quickly, uh, they're not just inexpensive, but they're super easy to make. I mean, yeah. you just rinse them twice a day and that's it. That's yeah. all you have to Four to really five do. days, they grow some tails and you're ready to go. Right. So check out that guide if you're interested in getting started. And you should be because it's a big bang for your buck food. Okay. This next one, Megan is just like a super expert with. She knows how to work this vegetable so well. I am the kraut whisperer. So our next bang for your buck food is sauerkraut, which is fermented cabbage. It was actually one of the first foods we gave our son, Finley. We started him around seven months just drinking the kraut juice, which made him wiggle and dance, which was super cute. But he still loves sauerkraut. And it's so simple to make. I actually have a sample class. If you want to see a video of how I make sauerkraut, if you go to culinarynutrition.com slash program, sign in, check sample a class, and there is a sauerkraut video and recipe right there for you. One of the wonderful things about sauerkraut from a culinary nutrition perspective is that, well, for one, it's really high in vitamin C, especially the red variety, but it's a fermented food that we don't get enough of in our diet. And in every culture, 
virtually every culture on the planet, there's some form of fermented food. Here in North America, in the sort of westernized, we've gotten rid of all foods that have bacteria and instead replaced fermented condiments with, you know, conventional ketchup that's really just sugar and food dye. So getting that sauerkraut in is a really powerful nutrition punch, not just in that it's nutrient-dense in and of itself, but it helps support your digestion and assimilation of everything else you're eating. So it actually increases the health and value of every food that's part of your meal because it's not what you eat, but what you digest and assimilate. And sauerkraut helps with that. So whether you're having it you know, as a little side, as a tablespoon, as a condiment, or adding it to your veggie or meat burgers, or mixing it in with a salad. It's an amazing addition to every meal and should be part of your meals. And and best of all is when you can make it yourself. That's going to be the most economical version of all. And a little side note on cabbage is it has these amazing sulfur-based compounds in them that increase a very important antioxidant in the body called glutathione. Now, we know as we age, our glutathione levels actually go down. So it's important to keep those levels up to slow down the aging process and to protect the body. Our next one are beans and pulses. Now, these you can just like get huge amounts if you get them in the dried form for fairly uh, low prices. And then, of course, you can also get them not that much more price-wise in cans. And we really like the the brand Eden because they don't use bisphenol A on the inside of their cans and, and cook a lot of their beans with kombu seaweed, which makes them more digestible. But that being said, beans and pulses are very high in plant-based protein, which is you know somewhat difficult to get on a plant-based diet, but that's definitely going to be a key source. They're really high in low glycemic index uh, carbohydrates, which means that the carbohydrates in beans don't break down super quickly. They take their time and they don't spike blood sugar super quickly either. So they can help maintain blood sugar a little bit better. They're kind of these like slow carbs, keep you satiated for a lot longer. Over on our podcast page at culinarynutrition.com slash podcast. When you click on this episode, you'll find some recipe ideas that use all of these things and including a little post I wrote about how to eat more beans and fart less. So if you're preparing your beans on your own, there's a little trick to help reduce the gassiness of it, which is sort of a common problem. You know, basically with all these foods we've introduced so far, there's going to be like, it's going to be like a toot machine in some people's houses with all the fermented foods and beans if they're new. So go easy on them. But these are all just ideas to help increase the nutritional power without having to spend a lot of money. Well, you know what they say about beans, Megan? What? Beans, beans, they're good for your heart. The more you eat, the more you. Oh, I thought it was beans, beans, musical fruit. The more you eat, the more you. (laughs) You can fill in the blank there. Okay. So onions, again, another powerful food. We were actually just recently talking about plotting our garden and we're like, oh, onions are so cheap to buy. Why would we plant them? And then I learned about the benefits to keeping insects out. That's a, that's a topic for another day. But onions are another really economical and really nutritious food. Yeah, they, they go pretty far and they add such wonderful flavor to your dishes. Uh, you know, onions have a really high amount of a phytonutrient known as quercetin. And quercetin is a natural antihistamine. So for those of you who might have high histamine or allergies, you might want to consider eating some more onions. One other great effect that onions have is decreasing blood pressure. So, you know, there's two foods that I give every single client with any cardiovascular issues, and that's onions and garlic. And that it's been, both of those have actually been shown to decrease blood pressure levels. 
So, so far, I see us making a really nice stew where we can saute the onions, cook some beans with it, add some turmeric, some ginger, some salt, some cumin, make a really nice, easy veggie stew with a bunch of veggies in it. Top that with sauerkraut and some sprouts. You've got an incredibly powerful meal. That sounds delicious, Megan. Do you want to go get that going while I finish this podcast? (laughs) I'll go get the slow cooker out. Dinner will be ready in eight hours. (laughs) Yum. Okay, this last one, not such a high bang for your buck in terms of calories, but a very high bang for your buck in terms of nutrition. And those are flax seeds, the forgotten superfood almost. Yeah, there's the basic, like we talked about seeds a bit with sprouts, but seeds are like the start of all food. So seeds are really powerful. Flax seeds are high in omega-3 essential fatty acids. A lot of us are taking this in supplement form, which could be an added expense if you can just add more of the whole food into your diet. They're really high in fiber and they have something called lignans in them, which is a very special fiber that helps feed the good bacteria of the gut. They also have a quality that I like to call snotty. The official term is mucilaginous. We've now talked about farts and snot at this point in this episode. Just well, I think we're on the right track then. We are on the right track. So, and, we're, and Pooh's about to come in. So, or come out as the case may be. <laughs> so this mucilaginous factor, it's that sliminess we associate most commonly with aloe gel. And if you soak flax seeds, that mucilaginous factor, you can actually witness it. But that is incredibly healing to the cells that line the intestinal tract. It's very soothing when dealing with any kind of inflammatory bowel or even post-infection. If you have any irritation in the gut, even in the stomach, the esophagus, that mucilaginous factor from flax seeds can be really, really beneficial. And one of my favorite ways to take advantage of that health factor of flax is to make a little flaxseed tea where you'll simmer, I believe it's about a tablespoon of flax seeds or half tablespoon with two cups of water. And you can add a little bit of honey if you want. And I will link to the recipe in our show notes for that one. But they are a power food. Oh, one other thing with flax, you don't want to eat them whole. You'll probably poop them out whole. I'm not a fan of those like raw crackers, like raw flax crackers are just basically whole flax seeds that are being gelled together and then dehydrated, you'll be pooping out those flax seeds whole. So you want to grind your flax seeds whenever you're using them. I'll add them to smoothies. I will sprinkle them. We give our son oatmeal sometimes for breakfast. So we'll sprinkle ground flax on his oatmeal. You can sprinkle it over salads. There's a lot of ways to integrate ground flax into the diet to get that powerhouse benefit. And just to clarify, if you want the omega-3s and, and lignans and those types of things, then you got to grind it. But if you're using it for the mucilaginous benefit, then you don't want to grind it. You want to put them in whole because you just want the outer coating of that flax. Now, another way we can really save on food is to buy in semi-bulk. So first, we uh, like to do a meat share. So here in Toronto, we have a, a number of different options at this point. You know, if you're more in the country, you can find a farmer that will do this. And they basically give you a large amount of meat, different cuts, all at one time. Uh, we actually buy sometimes a 15th of a cow, which you know a lot of you are trying to picture in your head right now what that actually looks like. But it's really just one full tote bag of meat. And we save uh, substantially on meat by doing that every once in a while. We also like to buy in bulk. So we, uh, you know, we'll buy like, you know, big bags of nuts, seeds, you know, grains if we're eating them. What else, Megan? 
We try and buy bulk to reduce on the packaging. So we love to find stores where we can bring our own mason jars and they'll weigh the jar up front and then you just fill your container with the product. So yes, anything that you that's sort of a commodity, dried fruit, nuts, seeds, flowers, sometimes spices. I'm a little selective about my spices buying bulk because you really want your spices to be fresh to get maximum flavor and health benefit from them. But it is a way to really cut down on the cost. As soon as something's in the in a package, there's a cost associated with getting the food into that package. So however you can reduce that, the better you are. And oftentimes, the greater volume you purchase something, the more savings there is and less packaging. So that's an extra benefit. I hope you're enjoying this conversation. We're going to take a quick break so I can introduce you to one of our culinary nutrition expert graduates, Shannon mulligan Mayernick. Shannon is an herbalist and plant medicine maker, beekeeper, and educator of all things local, seasonal, and homemade. Shannon is the owner of Marinette Kitchen, located in New Jersey, where she creates herbal products from homegrown or foraged herbs and weeds. Shannon wants to share her experience in our program. Hey, I'm Shannon Mulligan Marinick, and I'm a 2015 graduate of the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program. What can I say? The CNA program exceeded every one of my expectations. I came across Megan's YouTube channel and watched all of her videos and simply fell in love with the way she taught. I then chatted with a few gals who had already gone through the program and they were so helpful. And from then on, I knew I needed to sign up. This is one of the first courses I fully completed and I could not be happier. I learned how to cook with whole foods and how to make so many pantry items from scratch. I also learned how food is medicine and what we put into our bodies is really, really important. The Culinary Nutrition Expert Program enabled me to start my own herbal business, Marina Kitchen. I am a plant medicine maker, and I love sharing herbs, edible backyard weeds, and wild food with my community. The CNA program taught me how to create community, share knowledge, and teach others how easy it is to live a wholesome, healthy life. I cannot recommend this CNE program enough. Do yourself a favor and sign up today. In our 14-week Culinary Nutrition Expert program, we have an entire module dedicated to herbal medicine, elixirs, and making your own medicinal tinctures. Josh and I actually teach this module together. Shannon has taken those skills to the next level with her amazing business. And you can learn more about Shannon at marinettekitchen.com. We have the links to our website and socials over on our show notes. So head on over to culinarynutrition.com forward slash podcast and click on this episode to get those details. And while you're over there, be sure to check out that big yellow button that says get certified so you can learn how you can join us in September and take your first step to becoming a culinary nutrition expert yourself. Now let's get back to our conversation. One other thing to consider when you're talking budget is to eat when the food close to you is growing. Another word for that is eating seasonally. So rather than having asparagus and strawberries in January, if you live in Canada, let's save those for the summer when they're in season. And the winter is going to be mostly focused on the tubers, the root vegetables. So things like butternut squash, acorn squash, spaghetti squash, all the squashes, and potatoes, sweet potatoes, beets, carrots, the things that can be stored. Yes, it gets a little tiresome by mid-March when you've only been eating these root vegetables, 
but hey, you're growing your own sprouts in your kitchen and fermenting your own cabbage. So that's new and pizzazzy, right? But really, if you can stick to the seasonal food, buy things when they're locally grown and locally available, again, that's another amazing way to save on your food budget. And if you can buy things by the flat, so when something's in season, buy a flat of strawberries and freeze those so you can have them to enjoy in the off season. And that can be applied to nearly every fruit and vegetable. Get it when it's in season, buy it in bulk in large quantities and store them, whether you're freezing them, dehydrating them. There's a lot of different preservation methods you can use. And then you're pulling out of your own pantry. And one thing that I've noticed, Megan, is that if you get an organic food in the season that it's supposed to be growing, it's often a lot cheaper than the conventional food in the off season. It's being shipped in. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a, a great thing to consider, eating seasonally. And it's something that I didn't even really consider back in the day until I really started studying nutrition. And you get other great benefits like the flavor. Yeah. You know, a strawberry that was freshly picked and is in season is just a, an explosion of flavor versus one in the off season. So we've talked about the biggest bang for your buck foods. We've talked about eating seasonally. We've talked about bulk and meat share. What about wild foods? Wild foods are free and they're some of the most nutrient-dense foods you can ever eat. Well, they're the original food. Like we can go out in our wilderness here and find wild lettuce, which is actually the original lettuce and is way more nutritious than say an iceberg lettuce that has been bred to be crunchier and juicier, less flavorful and unfortunately, less nutrients as well. I always find it amusing that they sell dandelion greens in the supermarket. So people are putting literally carcinogenic poisons on their lawn to avoid having dandelion greens grow, and then we'll go buy them at the store to eat them. So that's another example of a very nutrient-dense, really good for the liver. If you listen to our detox episode, dandelion greens are really great for liver support. But there's so many wild foods. I like wild leeks. I actually have a guide we'll include in our show notes for different wild foods, when they come up, how to best use them. And so again, that's a free food. All you have to do is know someone who can take you out once or twice, give you a little tour in each season. And there's groups now that lead these walks as well to help you take advantage of these wild foods when they're in season. Yeah. When Megan and I were first dating, usually Megan tells all the dating stories, but uh, (laughs) when we were first dating, I um, was trying to woo her and I took her into a ravine and showed her where the black raspberry bushes were. And I've never seen black raspberries in the grocery store. When you taste these things, it's like a flavor explosion. And I think there was a little twinkle in your eye when you started to eat those. The twinkle was long before the black raspberries. I was trying to find the twinkle in your eye, Josh. (laughs) In fact, on another date we were on, on a wild foods walk in Halliburton, someone mistook this Josh for Josh Groban. Uh, That's not a rare occasion either. (laughs) On another note. I will not be singing on this podcast though. uh, And hopefully I won't either. But in another method for reducing that food budget, eating well, is to plant your own. So grow your own food. Planting a garden is so empowering in so many ways that you're learning about the food, you're putting in your own energy into growing it so you value it more. I've had gardens for years. I had a garden when I lived in my loft kitchen, which is now my office, and I didn't even have a balcony or window that actually fully opened. So I just had herbs growing in the window and my sprouts, of course. When Josh and I had our first apartment together, we had a full garden growing lettuces and kale on our balcony, on our fire escape. It wasn't even a balcony. It was a fire escape. And now that we're in a home, we do have a garden in our backyard and we have two raised beds and it's been a real adventure learning how to grow our own food. 
If you don't have the capacity to grow your own in any way, get to know the farmers at your farmer's market and find out if you can offer any kind of trade. Maybe it's working at their booth in exchange for your weekly produce or helping them in some way to support their growing efforts so that you can have access to complimentary food if you don't have the budget to purchase it. One of the overall best ways to save on your cooking is to cook from scratch. So you're making everything yourself. And it's not as labor-intensive and time-consuming as you think. When you start with fresh, good ingredients, very little actually needs to be done to create beautiful meals. And if you followed me for any length of time or you've been following the culinarynutrition.com blog, all the recipes there are from scratch cooking. And we link to so many different options that can really help you, starting with stocking your pantry so you have the basics there. And all you're doing each week is buying those fresh ingredients to make beautiful meals. Megan, were you always an extraordinary cook, being able to cook from scratch? I never knew how to cook until I needed to for my own health. And I had all these dietary restrictions. I'd learn about foods. And that was how I taught myself to cook. And the very first cooking class I taught back in 2008 was literally with the six things I knew how to make. And once I learned them, I taught them, I created six more. So one of the things that Josh mentioned way at the top of the show was about where one third of our food budget goes and where that food budget goes in the garbage. We are throwing out one third of the food we buy. In my book, Undiet, my first book on page 168, I talk about, there's actually an entire chapter called There Is No Away. This idea that when we throw something out, it just goes away. I'm talking about the waste that we make. In the book, I talk about how much food we are wasting. In the average American home each week, 12% of meat, 16% of grains, and nearly one quarter of fruits and vegetables are tossed out. The cost of that averages out to be over $43 billion worth of household food annually. That's insane. And that's the food we're throwing out. So how do we reduce the food we waste? So if we're trying to keep to a budget, The first step, you know, we talked about the biggest bang for your buck foods and we talked about food shares in bulk and all these important factors. But even before all that, we have to stop throwing it away. How do we do that, Josh? Yeah, the first one is batch prep. So, you know, we have these wonderful things called fridges and freezers, which we didn't always have. And they allow us to create a lot more food than we need in that moment and then save it. So we can make things like chilies and stews and meatloafs and just get Megan's book and follow some of those recipes. And, you know, there's lots of ideas in there and we can do a lot at one time, especially when things are in season, and then we can freeze them. And if you want to even get more creative, you can dehydrate things and you can, you know, make your meals for even just a week, not thinking so far in advance, maybe just thinking, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you can prepare your lunches for those three days, some nice big salads, you know, throw them in three Tupperwares or, you know, nice glass containers, put them in the fridge. You don't have to think about it again. And all of those foods have been prepped for you and aren't going to go bad. Meal prepping is so fundamentally important. It's We've covered it on multiple blog post topics. And actually, one of the resources you can get through this episode, if you go to culinarynutrition.com slash podcast, is a meal planning template. So you can start to plan and prep and know how to prep all your fruits and veggies so that they'll stay long. Some of the things we love doing are 
batch prepping, as Josh said, we do it with soups. We do it with salad dressing. So to make a salad dressing at the top of the week, and then you have that as an easy thing to add on. In addition to throwing all your salad ingredients in, you've got that dressing going. One of our favorite hacks is sweet potato fries. We all love them, especially our son, Finn. And so we will cut up the sweet potatoes, toss them in a little ghee or tallow or coconut oil, and then freeze them ready to go. So we're literally taking those out of the freezer into the oven. You can buy that ready-made at the store, and it's going to have tons of other nonsense. I almost used a curse word. Tons of other nonsense ingredients on them that you just don't want to consume and don't need to. We will make veggie burgers or hamburgers and freeze those in advance so that, again, we've got our own fast food ready to go. So that meal prepping, meal planning, batch prepping is such an important way to reduce your food waste and have easy and convenient, economical foods ready to go. I think where the budget falls by the wayside for a lot of people with the best of intentions is when they're coming home from work, they're tired, it's late, they have nothing in their fridge. And so And in that moment, it seems like the easiest thing is to order in or go and grab something on your way home. But if you have this prep done, you've got something ready to go. And if you do that meal plan, as Josh talked about at the start of the week, then you're not going to be throwing stuff out by the end of the week. Whenever we, you know, it does happen to us once in a while. It's often an eggplant for some reason. I have the best intentions every time I buy an eggplant. It hurts my heart when I have to throw out food that just is wasted, that we didn't eat. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of resources. Someone else could have eaten it. So all that planning and prepping is so important. And that's what this episode is all about. And that's why that's the focus of our resources for today. Yeah. So just a quick little tip, you know, because people get on this health kick and then they go and they buy all this amazing stuff and come home and it sits in the fridge just to put you know, the practical to to reality here is my suggestion is when you come home with your groceries, you prep that food right away. And Megan has lots of those tips. But Megan, I wanted to ask you as well, you know, before we had Finley, what did we do? Because we wanted to be prepared, right? We wanted to make sure that we had good food ready for us when we knew times were going to be really stressful. So can you just speak about that for a moment? Yeah. So Finn was also came a little bit later than we'd expected, about two and a bit weeks. And I just kept cooking. So we had, we actually bought a small compact freezer as a second freezer because this food prep was such, so important to us. And we had tons of soups. We had my unshepherd's pie, two of them, I believe, from the Undiet Cookbook. I had made custard cups. I'd made different sauces. I'd made smoothie jars even that would just be ready to go so that when we were tired and I was ravenously hungry from nursing around the clock, there was food ready. And especially when you have a baby coming and there's usually people who will bring you stuff the first week and then it kind of fizzles out and you're like exhausted and you think, oh, it'll be no problem to run out to the store and get a head of lettuce or get this or get that. But when you're in that state or any type of high intensity period in your life, if you're dealing with work stress or family stress or emotional stress or, you know, transitions, having that food ready to go is just one less thing you need to think about. And the bonus is that when you prep everything ahead, you're not wasting that food. It's reducing that food budget, increasing your nutrition, and ultimately helping to build a healthy lifestyle. That about wraps up this topic. 
As I've mentioned, we have loads of resources. We have a handout specific to this episode so you can have a handy reference and take what we shared here into your own kitchen. Again, head over to culinarynutrition.com slash podcast to get all your complimentary extra bonuses. If you're feeling inspired and want more, consider joining us for the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program this September. Registration is now open. Space is limited. Learn more at culinarynutrition.com or check out a free training we have for you at culinarynutrition.com slash free training. Knowledge is important, but applying it is where the power is. As I always say, the best way to get started is to get started. Take what you've learned today and start applying it to your life. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. We appreciate every single one that's put our way and share it with your friends. If you think that they can benefit from this information, send them this episode and uh, share the knowledge. We look forward to connecting with you again next time. Have a great day.